0: Well good morning everyone, happy Father's Day to all the dads in the room, way to go. Awesome job. Um, I remember the first time I found out I was going to be a dad, heard this kind of like voice from the other room that was like, babe, come here, and I had no idea what was going on, very unexpected, Uh, walk in the other room and my wife Chantel's like, "Uh, we're pregnant. And uh, I was just like, what? This is just unexpected, unannounced call. And maybe that's how it was for you. I don't know. But I was worried. I was really nervous Uh, when I heard that. I was like, I'm not ready to be a dad. Uh, I, I don't know what to do. And so since then, obviously, my kids have been the biggest joy in my life. And I'm so glad that I get to father them and really glad that I have a wonderful dad as well. And so thank you dads out there for putting in the hard work and being amazing ...to the children around us. Um, So today we're going to continue on through our series in Mark, the Unexpected Gospel, looking at some of the unexpected events that took place uh, during Jesus' ministry. And we're going to look at one of those today. But before we start, you know, let me ask you, maybe like kind of that unexpected call I got from my wife from the other side of the house. Have you ever had an unexpected call? Uh, Whether it was on the phone, someone called you and had some crazy news... Uh, And you didn't see that coming. Maybe it was like me when uh, I was in high school and they would call your name from the loudspeaker like in the middle of class to come down to the office. And you always wondered like, well, is my mom here? Am I going to the dentist? Do I get out of school? Or did they finally catch up with me (laughs) and know what's going on? I don't know. That actually happened. But um, have you ever had an unexpected call? Whether it was good, or whether it was bad, know that feeling of just like it kind of came out of the blue. And we're going to look at one of those moments in the uh, Gospel of Mark this morning. This unexpected call on the Apostle Matthew uh, in his former kind of life. He was known as Levi and he was a tax collector. We're going to look at this unexpected call as he's sitting there and out of the blue, Jesus calls him Ask him a very important question. And so we're going to look at this. But before we get going, uh, let's kind of set the stage a little bit. So Jesus, he is uh, teaching on, uh, by a big lake, uh, and he, he was pretty hard pressed to get around and go anywhere without a large group following him. There was just always these groups of people that wanted to hear from Jesus. So he's at the shoreline, he has a few of his disciples with him. His disciples are also learning from him, gaining from him. And so there's just this group, big group of masses. And so he starts kind of walking down the shoreline, uh, people follow him, his disciples follow him. And then he sees Levi or the apostle Matthew. He sees Levi uh, at his tax collecting booth uh, by the shore. And so Levi, he's this tax collector. And in those times, tax collectors weren't really friends of the people. Most people really view tax collectors as bad people. Uh, they were kind of hated. They were, they were regarded as kind of like traitors to the people. They, they took on these rules, uh, working kind of for the government to collect taxes, but then they also extorted people to make a profit for themselves. And they usually lived kind of sinful lives. They were very wealthy. They had a, a kind of a lot going for them, and they were just known as kind of like these bad trader type people. So most people really didn't like tax collectors. They were just kind of bad people. And so they they kind of start walking along, and here they are, and Jesus sees Levi, and um, very different from who Jesus is, right? Jesus is all about forgiveness, and serving, and he's about giving mercy, and here's Levi, and he's not about that. He's about taking, and getting more than what he probably deserves, making a profit off of Uh, people who were less fortunate than him, and so there's these two very big contrast people that, you know, Jesus, he's about serving and forgiving, and then here's Levi, and they kind of uh, interact and uh, has this unexpected moment, and we look at that in Mark chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. So, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, some of Alphaeus sitting at uh, his tax collector's booth. Jesus said, follow me, Will you follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. Now let's look at this a little bit closer. Jesus had actually already called his first four disciples before this moment. So Jesus, he had called his first four disciples, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, and they were fishermen. So maybe you remember uh, part of the story where he went out on the boat and he called them and he said, "Cast your nets on the other side, you know, I'll make you fishers of of men. and, And it was this cool moment. So those are his first four disciples. These kind of more poor four fishermen that all kind of knew each other a little bit and, you know, whatever. So these four fishermen, they're with Jesus, and they made their living off of Catching fish and selling it, and they come in contact with Matthew, this tax collector. They most likely already knew of him. So whether that Matthew had tried to extort some of their own earnings, that when they came in from the boats, uh, Matthew his his uh, tax collecting booth was by the shoreline. So he probably collected taxes from a lot of fishermen coming in from their day's catch and uh, receiving taxes from uh, what they earned, and so. These first four disciples probably already knew of Levi or Matthew. Whether because they had come in contact with him or some of their fisherman buddies, you know, uh, knew of Matthew. Really, uh, they probably knew who he was and they probably did not like him. So these first four disciples, they're like, Levi, he's a bad dude. Matthew, he's, he's got an evil heart. He's extorted us. He's extorted our friends. We don't like Matthew. So what do you think when Jesus went up and asked, Levi, will you come and follow me? Be a part of my group. How do you think that Peter, James, John, and Andrew felt? They were like, no way, Jesus. Like, what are you talking about? We don't want Matthew to be a part of of this group. And has this ever happened to you in your own life? Where maybe you felt like God asked you to kind of move in a certain direction, to do something, and you kind of stepped out in faith. You felt like, yeah, I'm going I'm to do this. And then you stepped out, and just something unexpected kind of happened. You thought like, well, God, I, th- I thought, you know, you were saying I should do this, uh, serve these people. or kind of change my work practices at work. And then you br- there's this person there that I have to serve and love Or maybe you felt like, oh, I should probably join this small group or a life group or this rooted group. And I don't know, I'm kind of on edge on it. And you show up and then there's that one person that you just cannot get along with. Then they just kind of like, you're just like, oh, I can't follow you, Jesus, with this person here. Like, what am I supposed to do? Or maybe at school you feel like God's kind of asking you to kind of step out, maybe, you know, do some discipleship or, you know, bring, bring some people to church or whatever it is. And then there's this this person there that, like, you just, for whatever way, for whatever reason, God brought this person also along on the journey. And you're like, why is this person here? Well, well, God, why did you ask me to step out? And then there's this person or this situation or whatever it is that's unexpected. I thought I was following you, God. I thought I was following you, Jesus. Why is this? But Jesus really doesn't work within how we expect he should. Does he? Usually he does what we least expect. And I'm sure when Peter, James, John, and Andrew came to follow Jesus, and Jesus asked them, hey, will you be my followers? They're like, really, us? We're fishermen. You want us to follow you, the son of God? Like, that's completely unexpected. Like, well, yeah, we'll follow you, and we'll become fishers of men, and the whole thing. And they followed Jesus. And then right soon after, he's saying, oh, yeah, and I'm going to bring this guy in that you hate into our group. Uh, Levi, you know him? And they'd be like, what, what are you talking, that's totally unexpected, we didn't sign up, we signed up to follow you, we didn't sign up to follow you with this other guy, I can only imagine what they were thinking about. Jesus usually works in very unexpected ways, completely unexpected, and where Jesus says, I want you to embrace Matthew, because Jesus calls unexpected people. He calls unexpected people into his plan. When Jesus saw Matthew there, sitting at his tax collector's booth, he saw something in Matthew that no one else did. When the other disciples, the four disciples, they knew of Matthew, they knew of Levi, what they saw in Matthew or Levi was he's this traitor of the people. He's got an evil heart. He's got a soul that's black and dark and murky. Don't go near this guy. He's extorted us. He's used us as pawns. This guy's a bad guy, Jesus. We know him better than you do, alright? You don't know his heart like we do. And we're Jesus there, he comes along, and that's what the disciples most likely see. And but what he sees is something completely different. He sees something that no one else could have imagined. He sees, I know uh, Peter, James, and John, Andrew, you think this guy's a bad guy, but here's what I see in Matthew. I see something in Matthew where he's gonna change the world. I see that his life has been all about taking from people and he's actually gonna live a life that gives back to people and serves people in the end. When you guys see someone who has a, a heart of, of just black and murky and doesn't uh, care for people, what I see is someone who deeply is going to care for the world. I see someone who, is, who is, has incredible potential, who's going to write a book one day that's going to shape all of human history. It's going to be canonized in the Bible, and people are going to know me through what he writes. That's what I see in Matthew. And ultimately, Matthew's going to lay his life down as a martyr. For the sake of my name no one else probably saw that in Levi he's a wealthy sinful dude no one else saw that but Jesus sees beyond what we see Jesus doesn't look at the exterior of our life and uh, uh, all the sin he doesn't look at that he doesn't look at our weaknesses he looks beyond the pain in our life he looks beyond the pain in Matthew's life. He sees beyond the, the wickedness and the evil that was there. He sees beyond that, and he has a, a plan to, to shape and change our world. And what he saw was Matthew is the perfect candidate to be a part of my plan. And he has amazing potential. And that's what he sees in us as well. And you know, I think of this every time that I watch shows like American Idol or The Voice or America's Got Talent. You guys like those shows, you know what I'm talking about a little bit? That you you have these people that come out, they fit the part and they're amazing, right? And you know, okay, that person's going all the way to the finals. And then you have people come out, usually on the first couple days of auditions, they're just, they don't fit the part and they're just train wrecks, right? You just love watching because you like to laugh at them. And it's like, this is funny, like their mom always told them they're good, but they're like really terrible. And it's just great to watch. But then there's kind of this third category of people as well. That they don't really fit the part very well. And they come out and maybe they're a little reserved. Maybe they don't really know the gifting that they really have. And they come out on stage, and whether it's the judges or the audience, and you can just tell like no one thinks that this person uh, has a gift inside of them. And then they sing or they do some performance and it just blows you away like, you just did that? Like that is amazing. And so I wanted to show you a video of, one I was reminded of as I was looking at some of these, of this guy, uh, he kind of looks like a tough guy and no one saw what was coming and what the gift he had inside of him. So let's watch this together. Sir. All right, go for it. singing gave me the ability to drink. And I'm here to show people that if I can do it, that they can too. Hello. Hello. So what is your name? My name is Travis Pratt. And where are you from? I'm from Tifton, Georgia. So uh, tell us what you're going to do. I'm going to sing for you tonight a song that uh, my girlfriend loves. She put me up to it. And uh, hope you like it. Good luck. amazing, right? I mean, Travis, he comes out on stage, and no one thinks he's got this incredible gift of opera inside of him. You know, he doesn't really fit the part, doesn't really look like that's what he does, and then he comes out, and he doesn't even realize, like, yeah, this is kind of just what I do. Uh, I don't really want to be here. My girlfriend put me up to it. I mean, no one in the audience, the judges, or probably really even himself, realized the gift that was there, they didn't no one really got that he has this amazing talent that could probably go far beyond this but it's just kind of like yeah i don't know this is just kind of who i am this is what i do my girlfriend wanted me to do it but he has this amazing gift and potential inside and how many times do we go through life and we don't see what god sees in other people That we just, it's so easy sometimes to discount people and say, you know, I I don't think God would use them. Or, you know, they're not really the right type of person. You know, they they probably need to get their life together just a little bit. You know, they're a few tweaks away from probably, you know, a a good healthy mindset or something like that. Or, you know, they're really not spiritual enough. They don't have like their, uh, they don't uh, have their spiritual life together. And, you know, I don't think they'd really fit a part of this group here. Because, you know, we're so spiritual in what we do, and they probably wouldn't fit that. Or how many how many of you th- have ever thought, like, you know, God would never use me. Like, do you really, you know, do you know what I've done? Or, You know who I am? You, do you know what, uh, like, the sin that has happened in my life? God would never use someone like me, like, he's used other people. He doesn't see, like, there's nothing that great inside of me. Maybe some of you even like you dads in the room, like maybe you felt like I felt when I first found out we were having uh, our first son. Now, I, I don't know if I could do this. I, I can't contribute to my kids' growth spiritually. Like I don't have my life together. You know, I, I don't really know or, you know, I, I got my kids, but I'm, I'm really just here to just provide for their needs and make sure they have a good childhood. You know, God probably wouldn't want me to be that person. But God sees so far beyond that. He sees something beyond just providing dads. God sees something beyond uh, just your life and where maybe you think it's ordinary. God sees an, an incredible potential. He wants to use you and me in incredible ways. And we all have amazing potential just in this room. Amazing potential to shape the future of our church. We all have this amazing potential to shape the future of what our city looks like or what our world looks like. We all have this amazing potential that God sees in you, that maybe you've discounted yourself, but God sees, no, there is something deeper and greater than in you than you may not even realize. Does it take growth sometimes? Yeah. Some, a lot of times it does. Does it take character formation and willing to be teachable? Yes. Yes. It does. Does it take a willingness? Yes. But God wants to use you and me. And we all have potential to be a part of God's plan in an incredible way. He wants to use us in his plan. He wants to use us to further his mission. He wants to use us to further the mission of this church to catalyze a movement of missional people, that we would establish thousands of missional communities here at North Church, around Spokane, and around the world. He wants to use all of us and seize the potential in you and in me, this amazing potential that you can shape the future of your church and your city. Jesus doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care what you've done He doesn't care about the sin that has happened in your life. He doesn't care how bad or how good you are. We are all bad. The Bible says that sin separates us from God. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. No one in here has ever been good enough to serve and be in the presence of Jesus. No one. But God sent his son Jesus to pay for the penalty of our sin, that we would be in relationship with him. And then further beyond that, that we would partner with him to heal a broken world. And that he's put giftings and skills and potential in every single person, just waiting for that to be unlocked and released and catalyzed into a movement of the mission here at our church. But he's asking You and me, just like he asked Matthew, follow me. Will you follow me? Now, here's not what he's asking. He's not asking, I want the Sunday morning follower. I show up on Sunday mornings, that's how I follow Jesus. That is not what he is asking. Here's what Jesus is asking when he says, will you follow me? He's saying, will you lay down some of your desires? Give up some of your desires. Leave the tax booth. Will you do that? Will you not only do that, but will you give up things that you thought were important? Will you give up a way of life that maybe you thought is how you should live? Will you give up time? Will you make room? Will you come and follow me? Will you allow me to grow you, shape you, so we can change the world? That is what he's asking when he says, will you follow me? He's not saying, will you come and sit in a chair on Sunday mornings? He's asking something far greater than that because he sees something in you far greater than someone who's just meant to sit in a chair. He sees something that here's a person who wants to follow me. I can use you. I can shape you and I can unlock a gifting inside of you that can shape the church, can shape your family, can shape your kids, can shape our city and the world. That's what he sees. And that's why he sees beyond the chair. On Sunday mornings and I don't know about you but that's that's unexpected to me like really God you want you want to use me and all my insecurities and all my weaknesses and all my failures and sinfulness you want to? he says yeah you want to use them yeah even that guy yeah I do even that guy God wants to use all of us. He doesn't, he's not just asking a few of us to follow him. He doesn't just say, well, this person here in the front row. Or that person who's kind of got their life together somewhere in the back. No, what Jesus is asking is, will you all follow me? He's asking that of every single person. Not just the people that have time on their hands. He's asking the busy people. He's asking the doctors, the lawyers. He's asking the people who work... Two jobs to keep afloat. He's asking every single person, will you follow me? Will you follow me? And I'll tell you this, that when we follow Jesus, it's not always easier, but it is better. It is better. A life with Jesus, a person willing to say yes to God in their life, is an abundantly full life because Jesus will will take you ups and downs and to the left and to the right and he'll do things in your life that sometimes are uncomfortable. He'll do things in your life that you just find amazing. He'll do things in your life. He'll use the sadness. He'll use the pain. He'll use all of it to take you on a journey in life that is truly amazing. Is it easier? Not always, but it is better. And it can be an abundantly full life like Jesus says he wants to give us. And then as we read on, we see Matthew, you know, Jesus says, will you follow me? And Jesus, or, and then Matthew gets up and follows him. You know how easy it would have been for Matthew just to say, you know, I can't leave right now, little busy here with what I got going, but uh, I'd be willing every other Monday night. Is that all right? Jesus is like, no. So what does Matthew do? He doesn't just go, Every other Monday night, I'll be there. I'm good with that. I got something here. I'm busy, man. A lot of homework. A lot of homework. Levi gets up and follows Jesus. He leaves what he knows. And then he goes one step further. And he invites Jesus over and he goes, this is amazing. I just came in contact with the God of the universe who wants me to be a part of his crew. He wants to get to know me. This is amazing, this life that Jesus offers. So then he, he gets his friends and he goes, hey, buddies, I want you. I'm going to uh, throw a dinner for Jesus and his crew. And then I want my buddies and my crew to come together. And we're going to have this big party and it's gonna, we're going to have fun. And I, wanna, I want you guys to meet Jesus. So in Mark two fifteen it says, "While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house. Many tax collectors. These are a bunch of guys that everyone hates. And sinners were eating with him and his disciples. It's Matthew's group and it's Jesus' group all coming together. Matthew invited his friends, his colleagues, to meet Jesus and celebrate what took place with him following Jesus, saying yes to Jesus. And then as we read on, we read uh, when the teachers of the law, who were the Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors. They asked his disciples. You know, they pulled Peter, James, John, Andrew, you know, maybe someone else over. Why does he eat with the tax collectors and sinners? And I'm sure Peter, you know, in his way – and uh, these guys were like, I don't know. We were actually telling him that he probably shouldn't eat with the tax collectors because we don't like that guy, that guy Matthew right there. You know who I'm talking about. We don't want that guy around. We were telling him that. Why don't you guys come over and also tell him that? I'm sure that's what the disciples were probably thinking. Like, we didn't want this guy around in the first place. And how – Have you found yourself in those shoes? Asking a similar question. Why would I hang out with them? Is this person really good enough to be a friend of mine? You know, I expected way more out of that person and they really let me down. You know, I I keep pretty high bar for the people I, I keep in my life. And this person, they really kind of let me down. So they're not really meeting the standards that I set for the people that like, I'm, I, I be with. And so it's not going to work. You know, they, these, this person, they're not really spiritual enough for me. They're not really spiritual enough. So it's just probably not going to work out because I need people that I can be spiritual with all the time. Have you ever found yourself doing that? Like the Pharisees did. Why is Jesus hanging out with those people? Here's the sad thing. As if that's you, and you you kind of recognize, yeah, I've done that. Like, I feel like I set pretty high standards, and I try and keep, you know, uh, hold, uh, keep the laws and stuff like that. Jesus probably would have avoided you. That's the sad thing. If that's you, Jesus probably would have avoided you. We see that clearly many times in the Scripture of how he treated the Pharisees. He 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 stayed away from those guys, and we see here as we read on. Look at Jesus' response to when he heard the Pharisees talking to his disciples. He said, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Because Jesus, he was friends with unexpected people, like you and me, like the tax collectors, the sinners, the fishermen. You would think that Jesus, the God of the universe, he would call and be around the best people. And this is what the Pharisees were thinking, like, well, if this is really the true son of God, because the Pharisees didn't believe Jesus, that's who he was. If this is really the son of God, he would probably hang out with people like us. We're the people that have been trying to do our best and read the Bible and this, and try and keep the line, and we're trying to hold all the laws. You would think that that's what he would do, but he didn't. You would think that he would call the, the top people Uh, into his kind of company. I I think of like a GM of the the Seattle Seahawks or another professional team. Who do they look for when they're trying to build a team? They look for the best, right? They don't look for the washed up quarterback who dropped out of college um, and was kind of had a heyday in high school. That guy, I see potential in him. I think he's gonna be our next quarterback. We're gonna bring him on the team. GMs of professional teams, they look for the best. They don't take chances on the dropout guy, right? And you think in our minds, and that's kind of how we view stuff, is Jesus would have treated things similar. You know, he's trying to change the entire world. He probably would have looked for the best. The standout people, the people that are just doing amazing things, and they have everything together. They answered the questions right. They, they were able to perform athletically the perfect way. And they, they, they uh, performed right at the NFL Combine, you know, the whole thing that GMs look for. You'd think Jesus would have that mindset, want the best. But what did Jesus do? That wasn't his motto. His motto was, I'm gonna look for the rich, I'm gonna look for the poor, I'm gonna look for sinners, I'm gonna look for some, some good people too. But what he was looking for is when he asked people, will you follow me? He was looking for willing people. People that are willing to say yes to him. You would expect Jesus wouldn't hang around bad people, sinners. You know, he's God of the universe. But he came to a world that is sick and evil and broken. That God designed our world for good. It was damaged by evil. And he came to restore it. And as he came to restore it, he looked for people like you and me. All different walks of life, but people that were willing to say yes to him. Will you follow me? Yes, I will. I think of a lot of churches and small groups around the world, and I think many of them, they would fire Jesus if he was their pastor. Because he would go, what are we all doing here? We're just praying for each other and reading our Bible and never doing anything else. He would say, what about the sick people? What about the hurting people? What about the people who have never heard my name? What about the people living in sin? What about the people who who right now, they won't be with us all in heaven? What about them? Why don't we go do something about them? Well, we're going to have to pray about that. They would probably fire him. You're not the pastor we need. We need someone else. Have you ever found yourself in that spot as well? Can't go beyond. Too busy, or I got my group of friends, or I got this going for me. Found yourself not wanting to go beyond. What about the hurting people? What about the sick? What about the sinners? Jesus chose sinners like you and me. He chose you, he chose me. I'm a sinner, and he chose me to do that. He chose us to fulfill the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to save the world. But don't get this mistaken, too, okay? Jesus chose uh, his friends, Peter, James, and John. Who were his closest friends, Peter, James, and John? Who they were actively seeking a faith in Jesus. They had turned from their sinful ways and started following Jesus Christ. So if you're trying to justify your friends... Your, your bros you hang out with who they get drunk, they lust after girls, they do this whole thing, and those are your tight-knit group, that's not what we're talking about when we say Jesus was the friend of sinners. Or girls, you have your girlfriends that are promiscuous and you do the things you know, together and you know, the bad influences, whatever it is. That's not what we're talking about here. If those are your closest friends, in the words of one of my favorite pastors, Craig Rochelle, he says, show me your friends and I will show you your future. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Our closest friends should be people actively pursuing a life following Jesus. And then out of that, we go beyond that. And then that's where we get filled up. And we go beyond that to seek people, to build relationships with people, to befriend other people. I think of a lot of our life groups here at the church— And uh, many of them, they come together, they read, they pray for each other, they have fun, they eat, but they also come together and think and pray, how can we together uh, build relationships with people in our community, help people in our community, help children in our community come to know Him? How can we be uh, better stewards of our city together? And so many of these groups, yes, they do that, but they're also thinking missionally. How can we all go out beyond our group, build relationships with uh, different groups of people in our city, and for the purpose of bringing God's love to them, building relationship over time, that they might come to know Jesus as well. Our best friends should actively pursue Jesus, and our friends who do not, we should bring to Jesus, just like Matthew did. Matthew brought his friends to Jesus, and we should do the same. Jesus came to heal our hurting world, and he's asked us, will you follow me, will you partner with me in that? He came to call sinners around him and give them the gift of grace of salvation. Then when Jesus ascended into heaven, he left us with this commission saying, bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the entire world. That is what you are called to do. You were called to fulfill the mission. And here's the thing, heaven and hell are real places, not made up. We are not here just to call the righteous and just all the good people and sit around with them. We're called to go and save the lost people in our world. And if you're not actively doing this, this is Jesus' mission to us, you have to ask yourself, well, what is my reason for that? Why am I not doing that? We are God's plan to save the world. You are God's plan to save your campus. You are God's plan to save Spokane. You are God's plan A, and there is no plan B. You are God's plan A, there is no plan B. Jesus gave us the most unexpected gift of all. His life, his death, and his resurrection. The paying of our sin so that we could eternally be with him and be in relationship with him forever. And then he calls us to go out and do the same. Ephesians 2:8 says, for it's by grace we've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself, but it is a gift of God. He's given us this incredible, unexpected gift that we never deserved. None of us ever deserved that. God created this world and he designed it for good. And then it was damaged by evil. He came to restore it. And then he sent us to partner with him to heal a hurting world. Today could be one of those unexpected calls for you. Today could be that day where Jesus has been tugging at your heart. Where you feel him say, come and follow me. Maybe for some of you, you've never said yes to that. Maybe you've never said yes to inviting Jesus into your heart and receiving that gift of salvation. Maybe you've never done that. And today is one of those unexpected calls of where Jesus is saying, will you come and follow me? Maybe for some of you here, you've been coming to church for a long time. Maybe you've just never got involved. You've never gone that step further. You've never really truly said, I'm gonna follow Jesus. Maybe today's one of those unexpected calls as well, where Jesus is saying, will you follow me? Will you lay some of the stuff down? Will you follow me? Jesus is calling and asking all of us that this morning. It's just that for some of us, that's very unexpected. Not a single one of us is good enough to follow Jesus, but he still, in spite of our sin, forgave us, Gave us a gift of salvation and said, will you partner with me to heal a broken world? So how will you follow Jesus this morning? Are you going to call the righteous or are you going to call the sinners? What's your next step? Is it partnering with Jesus' mission to heal a hurting world? Maybe it's here to partner with the the mission here at North Church. For a lot of you, it can look a lot of different ways. Some of you might mean that you need to to start actively serving. And and that's what it means. For some of you, it might mean if I'm going to follow Jesus, really, I need to start tithing to him. For some of you, that means that if I'm going to really follow Jesus, I need to step out on my campus. And I need to be a, a, a light to the people around me. For some of you, it might mean, you know, I need to get into a community of people here at the church. For some of you, it might mean a lot of different things. But here's the one thing that we all share in common, is that Jesus is asking, will you follow me? And we all have the opportunity with that invitation to say yes or no. But Jesus is asking, will you follow me? So let's pray. God, we just thank you this morning. Lord. God, and I realize that a lot of different people in this room have a lot of different backgrounds. And I realize that there's some people here that have never said yes to you. They've never invited you in. They've never received that free gift of salvation. And I ask, Lord, that you would continue to speak to their heart. And if that's you, and you've never received that gift of salvation, As everyone's praying still, I want you to pray this simple prayer with me, just in your own mind, heart, however you want to do it. Repeat after me to receive this gift, to follow Jesus. God, I don't know everything right now. I don't know everything about you. But what I do know is is I want to get to know you. I want that gift of salvation. I want to be in relationship with you. God, I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died on the cross for me. Would you come into my heart and be the Lord and Savior of my life? If that was you, just as everyone's still praying, with an act of faith and boldness, you wanna follow Jesus and you just prayed that, would you just raise your hand so I can see? Good, yeah, yeah, awesome. That was the best decision you could have ever made. And literally, there's angels rejoicing in heaven. God, thank you for those people, Lord. God, and I just pray that this morning, Lord, you would inspire us to go beyond. You would inspire us to follow you, that we would lay some of our desires down. God, that we are all unexpected. None of us is good enough to follow you, but you chose us anyways. God, inspire us. Show us how we can partner with the mission that you've given us. Show us how we can partner with our church here to affect our city and our world. We love you and thank you. pray this in your name. Amen. Well, we thank you so much for finding North Church sermons online and we hope that the message today brought value and enrichment to your life. If you'd like to participate in the giving of this ministry, there's a couple of easy ways for you to do that. You can text the word NORTH to 77977 and receive a text back and get your online giving set up in under 60 seconds. Or else you can visit us online at northchurch.net and click on Give Online and participating in the things that God's doing right right here at North Church. We thank you so much for joining us. God bless.